He's Christian. He's Jimmer. Welcome back to Two Physical Therapists and a Bag of Chips. Two Physios and a Bag of Chips. We can do that too. It's more international. Two Physios. I think we should change it. Well, we could do that next week. New season. Ooh, next week, season two, episode one. No, it's season one, last final episode, though. So we uh, can make some changes then if we want. Are we having a party? Maybe. Should I think we, we should. Should we have a party? We should invite everybody who's been on the show. We'll definitely make sure to mention them. <laughs> okay. Everyone's welcome. You're, uh, you're all invited. This week, we're going to talk about dry needling. And then we're going to review the Colby Hot and Spicy compliments again of Steve Covisto. Steve's uh, taking care of us. I, w- I was curious how you were able to read this, because I don't know what language it is. Is it Korean or? They're from Hong Kong, so oh. Chinese. Sure. But it has a translation under it. Yep. So no longer. It's, it's melting spices off the chip into the tissue. It's it worries me a little th- bit. It's looking lovely, actually. Where it, is looks it? Like, it looks like paprika. There's paprika. You know, what if the, what if it burns like a hole in the tissue? Then we know that it's going to burn a hole in our esophageal tract. Going to be that hot. Anyway, back to dry needling, Christian. What is dry needling, Christian? Well, there's a there's a lot of theories out there related to dry needling. We're going to talk specifically about functional dry needling, which is FDN. Yes, FDN, that's what we call it. Uh, in this particular style of needling, you're looking to basically work on movement, and in the process of improving movement, then you lose you know, pain and discomfort and all those other kind of things that are associated with musculoskeletal discomfort. Outside of that, there's a bunch of other models related to it. There's a trigger point model, there's an energy crisis model, there's a radiculopathic model, there's a motor insulator hypothesis. Um, I always like to use the analogy essentially that what dry needling does is it helps reset the muscle. So if your muscle is, is over-firing, so it's either spasming or it's, it's chronically tight, uh, you go in there and, and you cause it to relax. Or if it's not firing at all and so it's not working very well, you can go in there and stimulate it and get it to start contracting. So it's almost like if you're a computer is acting weird, you shut it down, you turn it back on, a lot of times that's kind of all you need to do to get it over that hump to get it to start working again. And so that's what I like to use as an analogy for how, or what it is exactly that that, that functional dry needling is going to do for you. There's a lot of other substances involved with this. There's there's certainly, uh, you know, changes in uh, local substance P, which is pain thing, a catecholamine, which blocks signals. You know, you get endorphin release similar to uh, chiropractic manipulation, which helps you loosen up and move better. And, and those things all together just help you move better. And if you're moving better, you tend to have a lot less pain. That's that's the what we see most often with these sort of things. The other reason I like it a lot is because it allows you to treat muscles that may be underneath a, a large group of muscles or muscles that are difficult to, to get to with your, your fingers because uh, they're either small or they're just tucked in an area that's difficult to, to get your hands onto. And so the needle will vary in length from about 30 millimeters to, to about 120 millimeters, which is substantially, which is pretty big. 
And so depending on the area you're trying to treat, you'd pick a needle that's appropriate for that structure or what you're trying to treat in there. I'm still here. Jimmer has some, Jimmer thinks it's kind of a fatty treatment a little bit. <laughs> no, the treatment itself is not fatty, but there are a lot of people that use it as a fatty treatment. Since it's, we, we've been through other treatment methods like that. The time where, where manual therapy was huge, everybody was manipulating. The time where strain counter strain was big, everybody was doing that. So anytime there's a new treatment method, I think um, you, you run the risk that everybody hops on the bandwagon and that becomes the treatment of choice instead of another modality to use in your big bag of modalities that we can use to um, address muscles. And I, I got to give Christian credit. He's not, he's not dry needling everybody. He's, he's definitely picking the right, the right time and the right place and the right person to do this. So he is definitely not of the fatty kind with double D. Thank you. But there are, we do get patients from other clinics that, that all they've done is dry needling. So I have a patient right now who has a total knee revision with a lot of swelling and they were dry needling her, which doesn't make any sense to me. But that's just me. There's, I mean, there's certainly, we see a fair amount of individuals that come from other places just on how we've situated ourselves a little bit. And, and if somebody's been treated heavily with something before and it hasn't resulted in a lot of improvement, it almost knocks it off the list of things you're willing to try. So if somebody comes in here and they've been treated a lot with dry needling, we're not going to start dry needling them again. We'll, we'll, you know, reassess the situation. And more often than not, a lot of these people have been treated just passively and they haven't done a lot of active work. And so I always like to use dry needling, functional dry needling as a way to get people to participate more in their therapeutic exercise. And so if we can get you exercising, that's really going to do the bulk of the long-term benefit for you. Functional dry needling is something we can use to, to get you over that initial hump. It's also something I'll use occasionally with our uh, endurance athletes we work with. So somebody after they've had a grueling race will come in and we can use it as a way to, to kind of get everything to calm down a little bit sooner. It's part of their recovery program. We'll do that from time to time. But more often than not, it's definitely not my go-to prime treatment. Uh, and I don't, I think that's a, that's a mistake that maybe some therapists will make is that it becomes the treatment and a modality should never be the treatment, right? It's There's always a combination of things that we do. And like I said before, Christian is definitely using it as a modality that can be very effective in conjunction with all the other modalities that can be effective or hands-on manual therapy or mobilization and then exercise treatment. So physical therapy should never be narrowed down to just one treatment type or one modality. And that's all I want to say about it. I think that's very well said. I mean, everything's dependent on your specific case. If it's appropriate for your case, it's, it's worth doing or worth trying. If it provides you positive response, you know, improved movement, reduced pain, ability to continue with an activity that you've been struggling with, what, whatever our goal would be for it, as long as we're reaching that goal, uh, we would continue to, to use it. If we, if we try it two or three times to, to no effect or, or, or no benefit worth repeating, then it kind of falls off and we, we don't we're worry about trying it again until some other situation were to come up or, or we've found something else that's going to work for you. So t 
explain to me the difference, and this is a question that you get a lot, right? Explain the difference between functional dry needling and acupuncture. Uh, without knowing acupuncture too well, uh, one of the biggest differences between the two is, is that outside of the needle, really, there's, there's no commonality in terms of what your treatment approach is going to be. So acupuncture uses, uh, you know, meridians, and there's a lot of referral patterns, and you may treat the, the foot to get a response or, you know, a lot of internal organs sort of things. And again, I don't know anything about it, so I'm probably saying things wrong there. Uh, with dry needling and, and functional dry needling specifically, we're going to go into the muscle we're hoping to affect. Or if we know that there's some ridiculous pattern that, that's quite common, a low back pain, sciatica type situation where you can track that to its lo more location in the spine, right? We would treat at the spine at the level. So whether we're getting an L4 or 5 radicular pattern, then we would want to treat at that spinal segment because if we treat distally, if you're having foot pain or calf pain, that may be a result of your spine and not something going on in your calf. And, and sometimes that's difficult to tell. Sometimes you'll have the feeling of a tight calf and it'll feel just like you have a calf strain or, or like you got kicked or a bruise and, and you may, we may be treating that and nothing's really changing and then we go up to your spine and we treat your spine and your symptoms change considerably and, and so in that particular case and this would also be the the case with your upper extremity right if you're having some issues with your hands or arms oftentimes we'll we'll treat the neck as well as you're having a lateral elbow pain or, or tingling in your fingers, right, will treat your neck and not your hand or elbow in those particular cases. It's just a matter of figuring out what's going on with you and, and tracing it back to its original source. Still here. Nice. <laughs> I think functional dry kneeling is beneficial. There's certainly cases that are much, that respond better generally than others. And it's not for everyone. If you have a fear of needles, you know, we, we wouldn't be able to do it with you. If you are recently post-surgical, uh, we, we would need the signature of the surgeon who did the procedure because of the potential for latent infection. If you have any kind of blood-borne pathogen or, or, or immunocompromised in any way, you're not eligible, again, without specific written consent. The, the treatment is we use the needles once on you, we clean before, we clean after. It's called clean needle technique because the environment isn't sterile. Uh, as a result, we can't really work, uh, unfortunately, with anybody who, who is more significantly immunocompromised due to the fact that the potential for them and also for the person who's treating to potentially have any, a writ more risk there does exist. And so there may be environments where you can do something with that later, but at the time, and generally in an outpatient orthopedic clinic, that's not going to be an option. There you have it. Functional dry needling in a nutshell. A yeah. big nutshell. Pretty big. So if I can be rude and summarize on your behalf. Yeah, go for it. I, I think it's definitely a, a well-worth modality that's that's um, that can be extremely beneficial if tried in the right cases and under the right circumstances. So please feel free to ask your therapist if they're certified in uh, in the application of, of dry needling and if they think it might be something that's beneficial for you. Just remember that like anything else. This is not a... a um, it's not a cure-all. It's not a cure-all. No, absolutely not. So, trivia! Trivia time!
All right, last week's question. If you head south from Detroit, which foreign country do you hit first? Yeah, and by the way, TJ, that's not Cuba. Silly, silly TJ. Uh, we had one right answer this week, an individual I personally don't know, so we're, we're reaching some masses Ooh, out there. So that's, congratulations. That's quite good. So the country you will hit first is Canada, and specifically you'll run into the, uh, the town city of Windsor, Canada. Which surprises a lot of people. But if you look at the at the map, yep, it kind of um, curls and tucks underneath there. So. That's where you go. So we always knew Detroit was different. Detroit, down in Red Wings. So trivia question this week: Is it World Cup related? It is. It is Ooh. Women's World Cup related. And so the question is: Is which woman has appeared in the most FIFA Women's World Cups? That's a great question, and I did not know this. For bonus points, how many? Ooh, it's always well worth getting bonus points. Yeah. Because, so, you know, you can cash those in anywhere. You can. You can use them anywhere. If you're a local uh, 7-Eleven, they take them. Do they have bonus points there? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You used to get, like, postage stamps at the gas station or something. That was Wal- kind of interesting. Walgreens. Walgreens? Yeah. Sears? If you need your passport, passport photo, that's a hard one. Pass photo? Passport Passport, photo. passport photo. <laughs> that's funny. Chip time! Ooh. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have... Uh, I still I, I suffered some damage from the Doritos. That oh, was yes. the other reason I didn't like them that much. They're so sharp and pointy. So That's a good point. Um, I have to I have to chew carefully. Yeah. Am so, I going first? Yeah, go for it. Calby, hot and spicy. Chip tear ratio, right around that 40-45%. Uh, the bag was quite puffed up as we are at altitude, and these came from uh, lower sea Hong level Kong. area. Yeah. They, they do smell a little bit like... Um, Paprika. Like the paprika chips yeah. in the Netherlands, yeah. Not the crispiest chip. No. Right off well, the bat. The leakage. Already indicated that. Yeah. The flavor's yeah. good. I mean, yeah, it's I like paprika. the flavor, yeah. Um, it's definitely not hot and spicy. No, I wouldn't go hot and spicy. Mm. For some people, it might be. I mean, so it's more like barbecue ish almost. Yeah. I would give it that. They're more sweet and a little spicy. Well, they're not spicy. They have a little bit of an aftertaste, but a little aftertaste. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind them. I mean, there's a little, I mean, yeah, at the maybe, end. Maybe we're ruined after trying to ghost pepper one. They're making more of those ghost pepper chips, too, nowadays. Yeah, we have some ghost pepper Chex Mix. Mm-hmm. Is that in chips? That's a discussion for another time. It's in the chip aisle, so I think we've included it generally. Because we did Kupuk and we've done some other. Oh, yeah, we have uh, beef jerky chips. Yeah, those are coming up. Those will be good. Um, I'm going to give you one thumb. Yeah, I'm with you on this. Uh, I mean, not a bad chip, not a great chip. Yeah, no, they're um, they're edible. Yeah, you can certainly eat it. Hmm. I just did. Wow. Down. Yes, well done. Uh, well, thank you for listening today. Next week is going to be the one-year anniversary show. Congratulations. Who knew that we would last as long, Christian? So episode 52 next week, we are going to review the Kettle Bourbon Barbecue Chip. This comes from a very special source to get some more credit next week, probably. If you liked the show today, tell a friend, uh, follow, review, subscribe. If you are looking for more information about this topic, follow us on Instagram and our Twitter throughout the week. If you want more information about where we work, that is Rebound Therapy and Wellness Clinic. You can find our website at reboundclinic.com. He's Jimmer and I'm Christian. 
Thanks for listening.